Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next. Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fandrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and Prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 35 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store for you all today. And with me, as usual, from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, happy Father's Day, man. How are you? Thanks. Happy Father's Day to you, too. It's a, a weird feeling. A lot of people told me that today, and it's obviously my first one because I've got a nearly two-month-old, so it's, it's kind of weird, but it's... Good day, man. Good day for sure. And it's a special day. It's Wander Franco Day. Woo! Damn straight it is. I timed that one right with my free Wander tweet like 48 hours ago. That was <laughs> that was best timing I've ever had on a free, you know, free the prospect tweet. But yeah, man. Great dude, time. it's crazy. Your son's almost two months old now. It feels like like just, just the other day you were like, oh, texting me. Like, oh, we're going to the hospital. Like, now he's almost two months old. Man, yep. geez. Time flies. It does, dude. With kids, like you think your life was going quick now, like before. Like you blink, and all of a sudden, your the little baby you were holding in the hospital is now nine years old with attitude of a teenager. That's on my end, <laughs> and my son's five and a half now. It's like, man, it flies, but yeah. it's great. Happy Father's felt, Day to all the dads out there. Everyone's I feel listening. like I was really busy before, and now it's just like, how do I have time for anything? It's just like. <laughs> constantly on the go and it's constantly something and time is just not an of essence anymore it's just when you have a kid it goes out the window what is time what what is sleep what is free time that is <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time best feeling in the world being a parent best thing i've done with my life so far in my three decades on this planet so um yes happy father's day to all the great dads out there listening to this podcast i know you're listening to it on monday and on father's day but hope you all had a great father's day we got a really fun episode today with Wander Franco. Uh, that was a late edition. If we recorded, we have two time slots we record. We either record at like 2-ish p.m. on Sunday or like 8.39 p.m. on Sundays. And obviously with today being Father's Day, we decided to record at night. And thankfully we did because we get the Wander Franco call up but that we would have missed if we recorded at 2 o'clock. So that is awesome. And then after that, we'll get into some pitching prospects that we are targeting or ones that we really like outside of our top 150 before we get into all of that the usual housekeeping you can find us on twitter chris is at roto clegg i'm at eric cross 04 and our show is at Fantrax toolshed please subscribe to our podcast leave us a five-star review on itunes or on your preferred podcasting platform those ratings and reviews mean a lot and check out our patreon for extra written content from both of us bonus podcasts private discord access access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings, custom rankings, and much more. These perks are available across four different tiers starting at $5. Or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for just $1 a month. Sign up today at patreon.com slash toolshed. And of course, make sure to check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the network, including our other two great baseball pods, the 5 Tool Pod and SP Streamer. But enough of that, Chris. We got a lot to get into today, starting with wander freaking franco getting the call was absolutely annihilating triple a pitching which was to be expected slashing 323 376 601 with 11 doubles six triples seven home runs five steals in 38 games 
uh, but the walk rate was like 20%. Dude's a bum. 12% walk, uh, excuse me, strikeout rate. Can't be having that wander. You, you should be down the, the 6% range, but everything you can want in a prospect pretty much. Chris, how excited are you right now that it's wander season? Yeah, I want to temper my expectations, unfortunately, after killing it came up and struggled. It's like don't you mention that. That we're not talking about that. I know. It's just tough. It's <laughs> I mean, there really have been few prospects that have hit the ground running this year, perfect like when they hit the major league level. And so it's tough. I mean, obviously there's gonna be some wander could be that guy. I mean, the hit tool is just so high. I mean, the floor is very high, and you know, he definitely is a guy that could. I think he could easily come up and hit 280 or better. Wouldn't surprise me at all. And we've seen the pop. I mean, he hit, he hit seven home runs so far and 173 plate appearances. You mentioned he hit for a 323 average, which is stellar. The OBP up 376, 601 slug. Again, the ground ball rate's a little high at near 50%. And the line drive rate's pretty low at 15%. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays up. You can get away with some things in AAA that you can't really get away with in the majors. So it'll be fun to see. I, I do think that he will excel and be fine, but I'm kind of curious. And I still am not certain like where he will lie statistically. And everybody wants like a peak projection. And like, that's so hard to do with a guy like him because you know, the hit tools there, just not sure exactly like where the home run power is going to end up, but it'll be right. fun to see. Uh, definitely excited for him. The best answer I've come up with for that, because I've gotten asked that a ton as you have, um, best one I've come up with is Ozzy Albies with more batting average. Albies has been what right around like what 25 homers, 15 steals, what anywhere from 260 to 290 average in that ballpark. Obviously, that I think obviously there's more power upside with Wander. Um, I, I think he can get up in the 30 35 range in t- not right now, not initially, but in a few years. Um, we start getting you know the launch angle up, start hitting the ball in the air more. I think he does have the raw power to get above 30. So a little more power than Ozzy, but I'll be surprised if, you know, first couple of years he's, you know, Ozzy Albies type numbers, but don't expect that right away. Like, okay, much we all, we all want these types of, like, we all wanted Kelnick to hit the ground running and be a 2020 threat right off the bat. We all want Wander to be a batting title candidate, you know, champion already, you know, with power and speed. We all want that with these top prospects. And that's, that's realistic. That's not realistic. Excuse me. That's, um, you know, that's not out of the norm for what we want with these top prospects. So we get so excited about them. Let's see ones that we've been waiting for and waiting for and waiting for. But yeah, we do have to temper expectations here. But with his hit tool, with his approach, I don't see him struggling. Maybe he won't hit the ground running and light the world on fire right away. But I just don't see him having Kelnick struggles where he has to be sent back down because so that's an 80 grade hit tool. He has never hit below what three, the lowest he's ever hit at any level was as an 18 year old in 2019 in the single a Midwest league. And that was 318, like career 333, 400 OBP in the minor leagues. You know, he, I don't think he's just going to struggle to do that hit tool, but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I've had, I have him in several leagues. I was stashing him, including my home keeper league. So it'd be nice to finally insert him into the lineup. And if he's somehow available in your fab, you're going to have to like put together some of the biggest fab bids you ever have. And, at this point in the season, we're to the point where some people don't have a lot of fab. Like looking at some of my leagues, some people have like sixty bucks left out of a thousand dollar fab. Others have seven hundred and something. You know, it's gonna really to the point where these amounts of fab left really varies. So if you still have a lot of fab left and he somehow was not stashed in your league, I'd be okay. You know, three, four hundred probably takes more than that. It's probably be five hundred plus. You think so, Chris? Like in, in weekly fab thousand budget, it's gonna be at least five hundred, right? Yep, somebody's gonna go way overboard. <laughs> I can't Just wait the, to see. I can't wait to see the fab bid. It's gonna be. You'll see some like. Obviously, people have to have the money left, like I was mentioning. But I won't be surprised if I saw like an eight hundred plus fab bid put in. Like people will go crazy to get Wander, but it's really exciting. Now we still wait for Bruhan to join him, who's yeah struggling a little bit at the plate, but still he's running. Well, I think he's like eleven steals over the last month and. Even struggling for him is still like he still has a decent OBP. The play approach is still there. So if this is struggling for him, then that's that's a damn good thing. And obviously he'll turn it around. Not worried at all. But hopefully we get Bruhan up soon. Josh Lowe, a lot of uh, bright pieces coming up here for the Tampa Bay Rays here over the next couple months. But moving on to our main portion of tonight's show, pitching prospects to target outside of our top one hundred and fifty. 
We got 16 total names, obviously eight from each of us and eight from the AL total, eight from the NL total. We will start in the American League. And Chris, who was your first guy? I'm going to lead off with uh, Cole Wilcox from the Tampa Bay Rays. And Wilcox is seemingly kind of went underrated last year. And we know that his teammate Emerson Hancock went at the top of the draft and fifth overall. And, you know, Wilcox pitched on that same staff at University of Georgia that he did. And you know, Wilcox was a first-round talent. And I think there were some signability issues, which is why he didn't go in the first round. And we know he slipped all the way to third round. The Padres signed him. They went over slot with him. And, you know, there was he, then he was end up trading in the Blake Snell deal. But the Padres knew what they were doing. They knew what they were getting when they drafted him. They had this plan all along to, to underslot and get a, a legit first-round talent. And at Georgia, I mean, you could argue that Wilcox was, you know, equally as impressive as Hancock was. I mean, in, in three seasons, we know that he – well, actually, he was a, a draft-eligible sophomore. So he only really had one full season, and his second season was cut short, we know, for COVID. He only got 23 innings. But he looked really good. You know, he, he had a 3.38 ERA, over 82 career innings at Georgia, had 96 strikeouts in 82 innings. He displayed a great fastball, and we've seen that kind of carryover so far this year where he's looked really, really good so far. He's he's down in single-A Charleston with the Rays organization where he's got a 1.46 ERA, over 37 innings. He has 38 strikeouts. Which I honestly think those strikeouts tick up a little bit. He he's he can pitch to a higher level than that, in my opinion. And his whip right now, 0.81, which is also quite impressive. He's keeping the walks down. He commands his pitches very well, which has been really impressive. He's got a big fastball, like I mentioned. You know, it can get up to 100. He, he normally sits in the 94 to 97 range. But, you know, he, when he wants to pump it, he can really get up there. The changeup, I think you can argue above average to plus. I mean, the changeup's a great pitch also. The slider, I think he he's easily got three above average or better pitches in the fastball, the slider, and the changeup. And when you look at the sum of the parts, and I think that his command control has improved significantly, I think there's a good chance he sticks in the rotation. There were some questions coming out whether he'd go to the rotation or he'd be in the bullpen long term. But I think there's a legit shot that he ends up a starter. And you look at his frame, he's pretty much maxed out. He's 6'5". 232, 235-ish. So he's not really going to grow anymore. He's not going to gain much more strength. But he is just 21 years old, pitching in professional ball and looking really good. So don't be surprised when he gets promoted fairly soon to high A. But he's been impressive, and I just don't think he's getting the respect he deserves. So Cole Wilcox is my first one to to go out and target because I think he could easily jump into the top 100 prospects. Yeah, I like that pick. There was a lot of... What a mixed uh, feelings on Cole Wilcox after the draft. You know, I think a lot of people like the stuff, but there were some questions if he was a starter long term, um, if he had enough stuff and command, you know, mixed together to be a starter long term, or if that profile played better in the pen. I think I do think there is some relief list, but I do think he is a starter long term, and so, like you mentioned, the stuff is there. So definitely like Cole Wilcox a lot. My first pitcher here of this segment is a 6-6 lefty. So you that just sounds good right off the bat, right? 6-6 lefty. Brandon Williamson, second rounder out of TCU back in 2019, was just recently promoted to AA Arkansas after pitching very well in high A. In six games on the mound there, he had 31 innings pitched, 3.19 ERA, and even one whip, 8.1 walk rate, and 47.6% strikeout rate, which is right in line with what he did in a little bit of time back in 2019. Flashes two-plus pitches in his fastball and curveball, and slider flashes above average as well. Changeup is kind of fringe average, but with some fade and sinks. So I think that would be at least a, a decent fourth offering that just keeps you know hitters off of the other three offerings. It's a fourth look for opposing batters. That fastball is in the mid-90s, can get up in the upper 90s, and really just explodes at the plate. Pretty solid command of it as well, which really helps it play up. The fastball, uh, yeah, excuse me, the curveball is in the mid-70s with big break. He can bury it. He can land it for strikes. That's a plus, easy plus offering. I wouldn't say double plus, but that is firmly a plus offering. 
His secondary offerings work really well off of his fastball. You know, not a huge command and control guy, but at least average in both departments. You know, easy, smooth mechanics out of a high three-fourth arm slot. You know, doesn't really get out of whack. Like some of these bigger guys, so you can see their mechanics out of whack, but not Williamson. He mixes his pitches very well. and can, as you see with that strikeout rate, he can miss bats with ease. You know, I like targeting guys like this that are really, really talented, but kind of fly under the radar a bit due to bigger names in the system. And obviously, on both sides of the ball, Seattle has star power in this system, obviously with the big three hitters, and then especially on the pitching side of things with Hancock, um, Kirby, and Logan Gilbert getting most of the attention. Sometimes Williamson, you know, these types of guys go under the radar a bit, so you can probably get him for a, a decent cost in dynasty leagues or depending on how many prospects your league rosters, you may go pick him up. If he's, you know, I bet you if you roster 150 to 200, he might be sitting there on the waiver wire. So definitely go out and target Brendan Williamson. I can see him getting into the top 100 here by the end of the season. Yep. Love that pick. And I, I totally agree with what you said about, you know, kind of flying under the radar in systems. And that's exactly what I think has happened with this guy who happens to be another Ray who pitches on the same staff right now as Cole Wilcox. And, that's Todd Bradley. Now, Bradley was a South Carolina Gamecock commit. He unfortunately didn't make it to school. He didn't get a pitch for my team. I'd love to see him pitch in Columbia, but you know, he never made it to school. The Rays took him fifth round in 2018. And when he came out, even in 2019, there was a lot of question marks. There were some doubts about his pitch mix, really two pitches. The velo wasn't really there on his fastball. But last year in fall instructs, he really took it to the next level where in 2019, he was sitting 90 to 92 range. And last fall, he was up to 93 to 97 pretty consistently, which was huge. I mean, that that's a big jump in fastball velo, especially for a young guy who's just now turning 20. And he's become a lot more consistent with his delivery. He just looks more athletic on the mound. The questions I think remain with you know the slider and the changeup. The slider I think is an average pitch. It's pretty solid. The changeup's the question mark where he's really going to have to develop if he wants to become like an upper end arm. But when you look at Bradley, I think that he definitely has the ability to do it, and he's performed at a high level this year, where he's been quite impressive. Also in that Charleston rotation, in thirty innings so far, two seven three ERA and just a one point zero four five WHIP. He struck out 46 guys, so the strikeouts are there, and the walk rate is is staying pretty low is what you like to see. So, you know, because the delivery has become more consistent this year, he's throwing more strikes, the command's better, he's walking less guys, we've seen the strikeout rate really tick. And I also think that velo jump is a big reason why that we see the strikeout rate jump also. So those are the, the question marks coming in, where it's changeup and the command control and I think you can easily say the command control have ticked up at least to average, if not better. And I think now we're just kind of waiting to see how the changeup develops. But right now, when you've got a strikeout minus walk rate of 31.4%, pretty impressive. A swinging strike rate at 15.2%. And he's another guy like Wilcox, who I think could get the bump to high A soon. So it'll be fun to see how they continue to develop. And both these guys in a system that have been absolutely stacked with prospects and just kind of flown under the radar. And I just think Bradley's a guy that no one talks about or even knows about. And, you know, I've kind of been bullish on him for the last year in my rankings and I see no reason why he couldn't make a jump this year. So watch out for Bradley. He's just turned 20 years old. He's looked really good. He's made tangible improvements. So I'd say go out and get Taj Bradley in, in deeper dynasty leagues. Cause he could really make the next step forward. Absolutely. Starting out with two rays is never a bad idea. As you mentioned, that's one of the best systems in baseball for developing pitching talent, even if they use them kind of oddly at times. Yeah. You know, and who knows, all the pitching depth they have, you know, all these guys aren't going to start, obviously, right? Like some will start, some will flame out, some will go to the bullpen, some will get traded. So it will be interesting to see how the Rays kind of handle this gluttony of pitching prospects. And if they deal some away uh, at some point, maybe Bradley gets to another system and gets a better opportunity, uh, easier path to, you know, regular starts. But yeah, definitely like the arm. And he's another one of those that fits that, you know, under the radar mold just due to the system he's in and due to the guys ahead of him. But the talent is definitely there. Uh, this guy I'm talking about now does not fall into that category because there's no 
big name arm. There's a lot of decent arms with some potential uh, in this Texas Rangers organization, but there's no like Hancock, Kirby Gilbert, or you know Patino and guys like that in Tampa Bay. So, but Cole Wynn is a guy that he's back, baby. Like he's back. Had a rough 2019 season uh, where his command, he, it kind of was like a Forrest Whitley situation, but to a lesser degree where, you know, he's trying to work on his mechanics and those got kind of out of whack a bit. The command and control went as a product of that, but he's definitely back this year. We did seven starts in double A, which I was surprised he put him in double A. I thought they put him in, in high A, but in double A, seven starts, 37 and two thirds innings, 2.63 ERA, 0.82 whip. The walk rate is still a little high at 11.2%, but definitely an improvement from 2019. And so that's a step in the right direction. And he's still got time to get that down below 10%. K rate, 29.4%. But as you see, even with that higher walk rate, still has the 0.82 whip because opposing hitters are hitting 121 off of him. Now he's got good stuff. Like he was my second favorite arm in that 2018 draft class behind Casey Mize. It was like Mize was a clear one. And then there was a lot of guys kind of in that in that mix for number two overall in my uh, FYPD rankings. But I like to win the most because of the stuff that he flashes. You know, fastball is plus a little bit 90s with good life, can touch 97 to 98 in that range. Uh, curveball is also plus around 80 miles an hour or so. Big vertical break, nearly 12 to 6 there. Got a mid-80s changeup and slider. Both of those flash above average and can miss bats. So those are at least average third and fourth offerings that can miss bats at times. And, you know, if he develops those, you know, one of those two into an above average or plus offering, man, just look out. Like, the stuff isn't question here. Like, easily, you know, this is not – if you're just looking at stuff, this is like number two starter type stuff. But obviously the command and control that's held him back so far – That'll really be the key on if he is can reach that ceiling, get close to that ceiling, and settle in as a you know a high K mid rotation type of arm, or if he kind of flails out, is inconsistent as a back end arm, or even goes to the bullpen long term. But with that said, he's got clean mechanics and a repeatable delivery, so that gives me hope that some command and control gains can happen as he gets you know gets more experience on the mound. Um, you know, gets further away from all the issues from 2019 and early 2020, puts that in the rear view and really starts just focusing on moving forward and improving. So I think there's definitely a chance he could get up to at least like average command and control long term. And if all that happens, he has the upside to push top 50 overall in the next year or so, maybe even maybe by the end of this year. Like he keeps pitching well and improving and getting back to, you know, the upside arm that we saw coming out of. You know, California prep ranks in 2018 when they took him in the middle of the first round. Yeah, he's going to get there. He's going to be skyrocket. He's already moving way up my rankings. Um, he almost, you know, he might be top 150 by the time I put my update out. Who knows? Um, but I still wanted to include him here because the upside is so great. And he was outside with my top 150 last update. So a little bit of cheating here, but definitely worth it with Colwyn. So I'd go out and get him because the buy low window is about to be slammed. It's already closing quickly, but it's about to be slammed shut. So go out and get Colwyn. Yeah, and Eric had to mention him because I traded him Cole Wynn in our 30-team Dynasty League, uh, mm-hmm. D1S30 Rock. And so he has Cole Wynn now. I held on to him for a while. I still believe in him, but I needed a win now pitcher. I, I had You didn't want to give up win. I had to, like, I had to like him. poke the stick a little bit. Like, come on, Chris. Like, <laughs> yeah. just give me Cole Wynn. You'll, you'll, you'll be fine. You won't, you, won't be, you won't be regretting this. I picked him up in another one of my Dynasty Leagues, so I made up for there it. There we go. He, it oh, even know, you know. Win when yeah. you lose one. That's how it goes. But I think when we'll, uh, I think he's gonna, he's finally getting it going. I, I really like. Him. All right. So this next guy that I'm going to discuss is a guy that we have both seen live at this point, and that's Red Sox. I would say pop up arm in Brayan Bayo, who has been absolutely dominant this year, and you know he was solid in 2018 and 2019, but he's popping to the standpoint where he's fully breaking out this year. And, you know, I saw him in Greenville the week before he, or the, the week before, yeah, he got called up, sent up to double A up in Eric's neck of the woods. And Eric got to see a start from him as well. And, you know, he's an impressive arm. His fastball's really ticked up where he's sitting in mid nineties consistently, you know, 
94 to 96. And, you know, he keeps it deep in the starts is what I was impressed with. And he only threw, he threw five plus innings. He went, he's pitched in the sixth when I saw him before he came out. But even then he was deeper into his pitch count. He was still consistently sitting there with the fastball. He can top out at 98. The slider is uh, a wipeout pitch. He, you know, he throws it down and away to righties and they just can't hit it. The changeup's a plus offering. There's a lot to like in this arsenal and, the command, I even think, is ticking up too. He just looks more confident on the mound, commanding those pitches, and he's in the middle of a breakout. Most of you know the name at this point, but I don't think people are catching on to him. And if people haven't caught on to him yet, you need to go out and get Bray and Bayo because he is just really stinking good. You watch him throw, and he's just highly impressive. He's confident on the mound, which is what I like to see. And 100%, I think he's really break out and eventually jump into the top 100 prospects. He's already pushing top 150 for me. He's just outside of it. But don't be surprised if he keeps pushing up pitching like this because this year, you know, between Greenville High A and Portland Double A, he's 41 innings and he's got 2.2 ERA, a 1.02 hit, and 57 Ks over 41 innings. And just in wall. He's controlling his pitches a lot better. He looks like he's commanding them well. And Brayan Bayo in the midst of a breakout and one that people aren't fully in on yet. So go buy him. Do it right now. He's worth it. Definitely. And as you mentioned, Red Sox arm. I might like him. He he might be the best pitching prospect in the system now. Like, there's no clear-cut one in the system. Like Jake Room. Who knows what he's going to turn into. Tanner Houck has shown flashes of being good, but third pitch, command and control aren't quite there. So, you know, and then Brian Mata and, um, oh, the other, Thad Ward are both out with injuries right now. So, yeah, it, and by the end of the year, you could be looking at Brian Bayo as the clear-cut number one pitching project in this organization. He's definitely pitching the best right now, as you alluded to. Um, yeah, I, I got a live look at his double-A debut, and, he was okay. Like, you know, I didn't really wasn't really impressed overall. Um, but the stuff was good, you know. Um, then he just dominated his last outing up in uh, I think it was Binghamton. I think he had like eleven Ks and like five innings or something like that. So definitely a very intriguing arm that doesn't have a lot of buzz surrounding him right now. Uh, so yeah, definitely love that pick. I'm gonna stick in the NL, excuse me, the AL Central here, go up to Minnesota, a guy I've talked about before, but he just fit this this episode so well, uh, even though he's injured right now. Uh, Matt Cantorino, 23-year-old righty, 6'2", 220, currently in high A, but he's been on the IL for a few weeks now with right elbow inflammation, but there was no structural damage, so that's good. So hopefully he'll be back soon. Reports are he's doing fairly well from what I've seen, so hopefully that's just you know a minor blip and minor speed bump there. He'll be back on the mound dominating as he was to start the season because he was dominating four starts, 18 innings total ERA of one whip of 0.72, 4.4% walk rate and a 51.5% strikeout rate. Granted very small sample size, but he was dominating everybody to start the season. Uh, probably will get, if he can get back on the mound soon, I can see him in double a fairly quickly. I say he's 23 years old, collegiate arm out of rice, second rounder in 2019. So Probably would have been a double-A at this point uh, if he hadn't gotten injured. Highly, uh, really think he, that would be the case. But, uh, you know, he's got a uh, – I don't want to say a weird delivery, but it's not like your normal delivery. There's some extra movement with his arms uh, in the beginning of his delivery, but the mechanics are fine, and that initial arm motion doesn't really throw off the rest of his delivery out of whack. You get a three-quarter uh, three arm slot that looks lower out of his hand when he releases just due to – his body position, he's got to cut that like the Espino kind of crouch where he's just a little lower with the body. So it's not necessarily a low three-fourths arm slot per se. It's three-quarters, but just like at a lower release point. So it kind of gives it a, a different look for for hitters and a different look that they're used to. So I think that's very deceptive, and that helps his fastball play up a little bit. It's a plus fastball. Mid-90s, good arm side run. Can get up in the upper registers at times. Both breaking pitches, curve and slider, flash plus, and can miss, miss bats regularly. Easy swing and miss offerings there. The, his changeup is, I, and I put in my notes in quotes, his fourth pitch, 
but it's at least average flashes above average, decent fade and sinking action. So it, it, even though it says fourth pitch is still a pretty solid change up there. Command and control is around average, you know, never going to be a pinpoint guy, but doesn't get himself into trouble either. Um, I think like I said before, I think by the end of the year, if he gets back on the mound, pitches as he was, and things kind of stay the same with the other two big arms in the system, I think Canarino is going to be the best one in out of the bunch here. I really do. I think he's at the highest upside. And um, that's nothing against Yohan Duran, who just went back on the IL, uh, and Jordan Belazovic. But I think Canarino is just a little bit better than them. Um, so love Canarino. I think he could be top 100 by the end of the year. And another one, just really quick, keep an eye on here, Josh Winder. Uh, upside isn't quite as high, but he's just been – really excelling in double a right now like every every you know fifth or sixth day he's popping up on my daily prospect update because oh he went another six innings one run eight k's or something like that so you know deeper you know we're talking like 400 plus prospect rostered give him a look he's got some decent upside uh could be a, a nice back end arm good solid four pitch mix so uh, but yeah canarino is definitely one i'm targeting heavily in dynasty leagues Yep, I'm a big fan of Canarino. Hopefully, gets back on the mound soon and gets going. And we go to my last guy in the American League that we're targeting. And actually, this guy has a almost twin in the system. There's two of them, Logan Allen. It's not the Logan Allen that's debuted. This Logan Allen is the one that was drafted in the second round last year. They're they're both lefties. Yeah, it kind of makes it confusing. What's what's more confusing, that or all the Luis Garcias? Oh yeah, <laughs> who even knows, man? <laughs> Especially when you, when you go to Fangraphs and all you have to go off of them to search is their date of birth. I'm like, I think that's the one I want from Philly. Like, obviously, <laughs> like it's it's really tough. <laughs> and both the Logan Allen's birthdays are like within a couple months too. It's the same situation on Fangraphs. There's like, let me click and guess which one it is. Right. But, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Allen's been impressive. I mean, a guy out of Florida International that some people were, you know, a little surprised that he went in the second round. But Cleveland knows what they're doing with arms. We've seen all the arms they've developed, and you know, a guy that was had a pretty impressive college career at FIU, and he's come out went straight to High A this year and pitched extremely well. And he's big strikeout numbers. The walk rate has been pretty good. 39 innings, a 206 ERA. Love to see that. And then also a sub one whip. And you look at his arsenal, you like what you see in the fastball. Has pretty good tail to it. He's kind of undersized in the fast. I wouldn't say he has a big fastball by any means. Six foot guy. He's a little smaller, but the fastball, you know, sits anywhere around 90. But I've seen it get, kind of tick up a little bit where he's up to like, you know, 92 or higher. I think he has a chance to throw a little harder. There's also the chance that he blows out his arm if he continues to try to do this because he's a guy that throws a lot of strikes. If he tops at 94, I think he can play with it because he has a good curve and a good change to play off of it. And I mentioned the good command. This is the kind of guys that Cleveland kind of excels with. It works for him. So these pitchability type arms, I think they can do wonders with him. We've already seen him look great this year. I'm expecting it to continue. And again, he's 22 years old. He could kind of be on the fast track where it wouldn't surprise me if we see him get the bump to double A at some point this year. And we'll see how he continues to develop. But right now, he's looked to kind of dominate the competition. And he's just a good athlete on the mound, pretty balanced. He repeats the delivery well. I think the command is a future plus. I see this is the type of guy that Cleveland loves to develop. And I think that he'll continue to develop and be much better than the other Logan Allen that we've seen on their roster that hasn't performed up to hype. So yes, the younger, well, I don't even know if he's the younger, but the, the Logan Allen drafted in 2020 is this guy that <laughs> I want to get in dynasty leagues. I think he is a little younger though. He, he's Not by much, be. but I think, I think he's a little younger, but you're going to notice a, uh, a trend here on the podcast. A lot of good pitching, development organizations we've already talked about tampa bay cleveland kansas city is a solid one uh this next org i'm gonna be talking about is another very good one that goes under the radar because they haven't really developed a ton of stars but they've gotten the best out of their pitching prospects uh i got a project from the dodgers org later so a lot of these really good pitching development orgs uh, these are the guys to really focus on so um but yeah my next guy from the houston astros Alex Santos, they didn't have a pick in the first two rounds last year because of the cheating scandal, but still 
at number 72 overall in the comp second round comp round whatever that's called uh <laughs> comp second round after the actual second round they got alex santos who was i think a borderline first round talent just on stuff but he was a prep arm so obviously there's some risk there but he's still 19 years old 6'4 195 out of uh, mount saint michael academy in new york state he's yet to make his professional debut but reports were very positive last year at Instructs. This is it's a high spin rate guy. This is a really good spin rate guy. Uh, fast, high spin rate fastball, loaded in 90s, touching higher, but there's exploding life at the, at the plate. And there's plenty of, you know, he's 6'4, 195. There's plenty of production on that frame and still only 19. So you, you got to figure over the next couple of years that there'll be more bulk and velocity to come along with that. So. Uh, wouldn't be surprising if he's sitting mid nineties and up in the upper 97, 98 range pretty consistently, you know, within the next year or so, if he bulks up again, high spin rate curveball, upper seventies can get into the low eighties at times, big break, really sharp break there. Easily a plus pitch that has big swing and miss potential. I uh, will see. I like that's one pitch. I really want to see when he gets uh, starts pitching later on this year as a changeup and slider as well. But, you know, they're, they're behind the fastball curveball. But, again, he's 19. He's so very inexperienced. He didn't have three years of collegiate ball. You know, he hasn't pitched in the minor leagues yet. So, um, the fact that he already has the fastball curveball base there with the good spin rates. And but he's shown a decent feel for the changeup and slider. Uh, and both have shown characteristics of being at least average offerings, maybe above average just because of the feel he's shown, some of the movement on each pitch. You know, the velo separation on the changeup. I think, you know, I'm not worried that, you know, about those pitches. I think those can be at least average. You know, maybe one develops into an above average third pitch uh, to go off that fastball curveball. So the if the slider and changeup do develop, the upside here is incredibly high. As I mentioned, he's in a great system for developing pitching talent for anyone not named Forrest Whitley. That's the one that's obviously gone wrong, but they developed a lot of good guys. Luis Garcia. You know, um, was a, a recent example of that who's been dominating this year. You know, the list goes on and on. So definitely really like Alex Santos here. The upside is there. The system is one to believe in. Uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely going and get him, getting him wherever I can because, you know, once he gets in the games and starts showing this type of stuff and his potential, I think he's going to really, really skyrocket up prospect ranking. So right now is the best time to get Alex Santos that wraps up the American League. We are going to take a quick break here and come back with the National League, so don't you go anywhere. All right, welcome back from the break. Going into the National League now, we already hit eight pitching prospects in the American League that we're really targeting outside our top 150 after that little bit of Wander Franco talk. So now let's get into the National League. We get eight... and more great targets here starting with chris's first guy all right and you mentioned previously systems that develop well and this system flies under the radar i think but they've developed guys like first brandon woodruff and then corbin burns and then freddie peralta and this could be the next guy they develop and that's aaron ashby he is 23 years old he's getting prepared to be called up He's a lefty, and they're going to use him out of the pen this year. They've basically said he started working in a multi-inning role in AAA Nashville because they're going to call him up this year. He's going to work out of the pen. They want him in the in the pen, and most likely they stretch him back out in 2022 where he could potentially compete for a rotation spot. But, you know, Ashby is a great talent. I think he flies under the radar. He's got a great four-pitch mix with a fastball slider curve and change. I think he's got developing command. His command, you know, has been okay in the past, but I think his, yeah, he he's walked some guys this year, but I think he has a chance to continue to improve that. He's got big strikeout numbers. He has things you want to see, and even if he does stick in the bullpen, I don't know if it'd be the worst thing in the world because we've seen what they've done with with guys in that pen. I mean, look at Josh Hader. He was once a starter, and now look at him a lefty like him. I mean, you see that in Ashby who honestly was pretty dominant as a starter. You know, there's a chance he'd come back like Peralta was in the bullpen. He came back as a starter. The Brewers just do something special with pitchers. And yep, I think Ashby has that chance. And before he went to the bullpen, 
his final three starts in AAA, he pitched to a 102 ERA, a .68 whip, and 26 strikeouts in 17 innings. Then they wanted to stretch him out, like I mentioned. He's or not stretch him out. They were working out of the pen to call him up to work out of the pen. Basically, they want him in a multi-inning role at the big league level. They need someone in that spot this year. So, don't get discouraged if Ashby pitches out of the pen. I do think there's a chance he could come back as a starter, but he's pitched well in AAA, and I think that there's a chance he could call up, get called up, and pitch well immediately too. So, don't worry about the bullpen. Ashby's a guy that I love, and you know. Ethan Small is another one in that system who I like as well, and I think that they're both right there, both really good arms, and either of them could you know, top the other. And we just kind of seen what they've done, and both those guys have the chance to be the next one of those guys we were talking about because I don't think any of us foresaw what happened with Woodruff becoming an ace, Burns becoming an ace, and now Peralta becoming an ace this year. And so when the system can develop like that, you take notice, and you look at these guys who are in the upper level of the minor and say, who could be next? Yep. No, absolutely. And it's, it's kind of funny too, that, you know, when you start looking at these guys that have really excelled, cause like in general, especially last year, year before you looked at Milwaukee as one of the bottom five organizations for terms of pitching or just a uh, prospect talent, excuse me. But now when some of these guys start really excelling, like you mentioned, Peralta Burns Woodruff and I, I can't remember if Woodruff pitched out of the pen initially, but Burns and Peralta both have pitched out of the pen. So, yeah, don't you know take this Ashby pitching out of the pen thing to be a knock on his value at all. But when you see these guys excelling at the major league level, it starts making you think about you know maybe um maybe I should bump up a guy like Ashby or an Ethan Small or an Antoine Kelly, guys like that. Maybe I should kind of look into them a little more, have more confidence in these guys when you see them all these other guys excelling at the major league level, but. Yeah, having that top three of Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta, you know, you're facing that in a you know five game set in the playoffs. That's gonna be hard to hard to get through. So, um, good pick there. They're definitely an underrated system in terms of developing pitching talent here. Now I'm gonna go to an org on the West Coast that doesn't really have, or at least recently has a great track record of developing pitchers. Not that they've done bad, but it's the the players haven't been there in the past. You know, they developed some good arms, obviously. Guys like Tim Lincecum, Bumgarner, but obviously that's been a while. Um, but talking about the Giants here, Kyle Harrison is one that I am all over. 19-year-old Southpaw, 6'2", 200, uh, third-round pick out of De La Salle High School in California in last year's draft, and he is dominating in low A right now. Eight starts, 32 and two-thirds, 248 ERA, 129 in whip, which is you know a little high because he does have a 14.7% walk rate, but also a 39.9% K rate and 180 batting average against. Like hitters, it's hard for hitters to square him up, but he's a prep arm and the you know command and control isn't quite there. But he's young, so I'm not. That's not anything to worry about yet. There's not like any big like mechanical issues or anything like that. So nothing to worry about quite yet. Give him time just to you know get more reps. Uh, get more, you know, developed on the mound because the upside here is very high. Uh, low three-quarter arm slot with exceptional arm speed. Fastball sits in the low to mid-90s and the slider in the 80-mile-per-hour range, both flash plus. A slider has big sweeping break, which is common for these lower arm slot, lower release point lefties. Both pitches with development could be plus. They're, they both show around above average right now, but with time, and he's got some, you know, not a ton of projection on that frame. He's already pretty solidly filled out, but I think with time he could be sitting mid nineties. Uh, so those two could be plus pitches here, but what will really be key in Harrison's rise is the development of his changeup and strike throwing ability. As you saw with that walk rate here, a little wild right now, but the stuff is good. The changeup does flash above average, but very inconsistently. There's never have a great feel for it, but when he does have a good feel for it and a start, there's been some ones that look pretty good with some good fading action on them. But that below average command and control is what's kind of what he needs to work on right now. But again, he's 19. He can miss bats at a very high clip with that fastball slider combo. And that deceptive lower arm slot definitely helps as well. Hard to pick up the ball out of his hand. So if that changeup develops into a legit third pitch and the command and control just get up to just 50, get, give me 50 command and control. Harrison should really, really sort rankings. And he's easily my favorite arm in that system with the highest upside. I like him more than Seth Corey, 
Sean Haley, I think it's not even close. I think he's at the highest upside in that system by far. So I would go out and get Kyle Harrison now before he figures out his command and control and really takes off. Because so the upside here is exceptionally high. So go get him right now. Yeah, I agree. And I think the the Giants really had kind of an underrated draft last year. And Harrison oh, they did, for sure. Fantastic pick. And he already looks to be paying off. And yeah, I'll stick with another guy who was in last year's draft class. Kind of a pop-up guy for last year's draft class. And that was Bryce Jarvis out of Duke. And not many considered him a first-round talent prior to the 2020 season. He really saw his velo tick up. And you know he was low 90s, like even into the 80s-some with a fastball. And last year, even though it was short in season, he came out firing. And we saw that fastball tick up to 95-plus, touching 97. And he even went to driveline this past winter and you know, seeing the even more improvements from that. And he was pretty dominant last year at Duke. And you mentioned the competition wasn't great, but four starts. He had a .67 ERA, a .48 whip, 40 strikeouts to two walks in just 27 innings pretty dominant there and he's a guy who is really taking a step forward he had one of the best changeups in the draft last year like i mentioned the added velocity i think was really big for him he's got the slider and curveball that i would say are you know developing pitches that at least could get to average and he's got good command we haven't seen the best command from him yet in high a this year he has an 8.5% walk rate which is more control but you know, I think the command does tick up a little bit and we see him get to above average command. You know, there's times when the slider flashes plus, and I think the curveball is probably his worst pitch of the four. I don't know. I thought he had better command. We haven't seen it yet. I think we're going to see it come around. We've seen it in the past, but he seems to be a guy that could really take a step forward. And I think he, he probably already hovers in that range that we're talking about, like the 150 to 200 range of overall prospects. I'm not sure where most people have him, but he's kind of in that range for me. But, you know, if Jarvis continues his success, I think he could easily tick up near the top 100 overall because he's got the talent and he's performing well. And if that continues, I think, you know, he's already 23. He could see a jump to double A, like, like several of these guys that I've mentioned. And, you know, the high strikeout rate near 30%, the walk rate near 8%. We can live with that all day long. He's got a high swinging strike rate that supports it. Like I mentioned, the arsenal's good. If the command does tick up, then I think we're looking at a really, really good pitcher here. So Bryce Jarvis, another arm to watch out for that could take the step forward in a system, in a D-back system where they have some arms that I like. I also love Slaytiani there. But Bryce Jarvis, I think, could emerge as one of the best ones. Yep. Absolutely agree. Well, I love that Arizona system. That's always one of my favorite systems to dig into. It's really like sneaky diva. You get the big names at the top, obviously with the three big outfielders and you know a solid shortstop and Geraldo Perdomo. But yeah, it's really they don't have any elite arms yet. But yeah, I think Jarvis could get there. Blake Walston's another one I like. You mentioned Slade Sione, so you had a lot of good Luis Frias, another good arm there. Matt Tabor, you know, there's a lot of good arms in that system. Yeah, I think Jarvis. Might have the best combination of ceiling and floor. I think Walston might have the highest ceiling, in my opinion, barely over over Jarvis and Sione. But I think when you combine ceiling and floor, I think them that one might go to, to Bryce Jarvis. And I'm gonna stick out in the NL West with my next arm here, going to that Los Angeles Dodgers, Dodgers organization uh, I mentioned earlier, Ryan Pepio. I think he might be the best arm in this org long time. I mean, he is. A, there's a chance he could be better than Josiah Gray long-term. And that's nothing against Josiah Gray, very talented arm, but I think I might like Pepe a little more long-term, even if my rankings don't quite reflect that yet, but they could soon. Uh, really solid frame, 6'3", 215, righty, um, third-round pick out of Butler in 2019. In seven starts this year in AA, 24 and two-thirds innings, 182 ERA, 110 whip, 37.8% strikeout rate, but a 15.3% walk rate and walks have been an issue for him, even through his collegiate career at Butler. All I said, they, you know, the higher than desired uh, walk rate. So that's going to have to come down, but the arsenal is good. You know, fastball is above average could be plus offering in time, low nineties with good movement can get up into the mid nineties there. So uh, I don't know if he, there's a ton of, you know, more velocity coming because he was a collegiate arm. You know, there's not like a ton of projection on his frame, but, you know, even if he's in that 93 to 96 range with that movement, 
Uh, I think if the command ticks up a bit here, I think that could be a plus pitch. Uh, changeup is easily plus. I've seen some 70 grades thrown on that changeup. And I'm not quite ready to go there yet, but that's easily, easily a plus changeup due to the you know the velocity separation he gets on that. So about 10 to 12 miles an hour of velocity separation and this really good fading action and, and sink on it as well. So easily a plus. That's his top you know swing and miss offering there. And then slider and curveball there behind, but the slider does flash above average at times. I think that could be definitely a good third offering with some refinement there. Curveball is yeah, it's it's a fourth pitch. It's fringe average at best. And maybe he drops it and goes goes fastball slider change up long term. Who knows? But I think he's got mid rotation upside here. Good strikeout potential, uh, especially if that slider ticks up a bit. It makes that a bigger swing and miss offering than it already is. And it's just all about if that control can just get better. You know, right now it's the walk rate is not going to get it done. Fifteen point three percent. This will not get it done, especially as you get up in AAA and, and getting closer to the Dodgers. He needs that needs to, if you can just get that down to 10%, that'll be good. But 15.3% is not going to work. That'll put you in the bullpen in a hurry. So need need to see some improvement there, but definitely like the all-run stuff here. So and like I said, the Dodgers have a way of getting the most out of their pitching prospects. You know, they've hit a ton of home runs lately with Julio Urias, Dustin May, you know, Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw. If you go back seven more years, is everything they touch just turns to gold, it seems like. So that makes me – I would like Pepio in any system, but the fact that he's in the Dodgers org that you know, when, when we were talking to Cody Hosey uh, about a year and a half ago in the early parts of the pandemic over on the five-tool pod, he just r- couldn't say enough good things about that org. Just the way they handle everything, the way they – and the f- food that they feed them, everything is just top-notch in that org. So that gives me even more encouragement to go out and get Ryan Pepio in Dynasty League. So definitely go out and target him right now. Yeah, great, great pick there. Really like that one. Uh, next guy, also in this previous draft class, and that's uh, JT Ginn with the Mets. And we know he's just made his return coming off Tommy John surgery. The Mets took him last year, even knowing that you know he had surgery last March of 2020. They gave him first-round money, even though they took him 52nd overall. They believed in him. I mean, as a freshman at Mississippi State in the SEC, Ginn was just absolutely dominant. He pitched to a 3-1-3 ERA, 105 Ks, just 19 walks in 86 innings, just very dominant. The fastball gets up to 97, nice sink and run action to it. His slider is his go-to pitch for strikeouts, a huge wipeout pitch there. Sits up in the mid-80s. The changeup, I think, can continue to develop to an above-average offering at least. He's very, very solid, and I think Mets fans are really going to love him. We know he just recently got assigned to low A. It's going to take him some time to really get going, in my opinion, because he hadn't pitched in you know almost two year in, in two years in games. Twenty nineteen was the last time that we saw him pitch after having TJ last March. But even then, you look at he's pitched eleven innings so far this year. He's been really, really good so far. Point eight two ERA. Strikeouts haven't been there yet, just a 20% strikeout rate, but he's supporting a 16.3% swing strike rate, which is really, really high. So I think when you see that kind of number, that supports like a 30% strikeout rate. So don't be surprised when the strikeouts tick up. His walk rate will will come down with time. I mean, command has always been something that I would say was more of the struggle, but I do think that that's something that guys that return from TJ takes a little longer to get back is the command and, you know, commanding those pitches well so i would expect the the walk rate to slowly tick down with time and the command to continue to improve and so again is one that 100 i'd say is worth an ad because he's not going to cost you hardly anything right now he didn't pitch last year or pitched minimal last year it with mississippi state he wasn't a huge draft pick he wasn't high in fypds he just getting back to the mound this year Now's the time to go out and acquire him because I think his stock's going to soar. I think you're easily looking at a guy that can move up into the top 100 prospects with time and a guy that can move fast through the system. He's now 22 years old. So JT again, a huge target of mine, one that I absolutely love and I think is really going to take off. Yep, I agree. I like JT again as well. Uh, My last two names, both from the same org, both could be playing like 
power forward in the NBA with the height that they have. Uh, start here with Yuri Perez, who just turned 18, like mid-April. So if the minor league season started on time, he would have been 17 when the season started. Big, big righty, 6'8", maybe 6'9". I've seen both listed, no matter what site you look at. So 6'8", or 6'9", 200, plenty of prediction on that frame. Currently already dominating low A as, I believe, the youngest at the level or one of the youngest at the level. Uh, one of the youngest in full season ball, that's for sure. Uh, was signed in 2020 out of the Dominican Republic. Uh, in those seven games done in low A, 25 innings, 0.72 ERA, which is three earned runs over those 25 innings, 0.88 whip, 7.2% walk rate, 35.1% strikeout rate, and a 171 batting average against. So he's already dominant. He's 18, pitching against people that are usually older than him by a year or two at least, maybe even a couple of years. And he's already excelling. The walk rate is good. You know, that strikeout minus walk rate is 27.9% for an 18-year-old in full A, you know, full season A ball. That is damn impressive. And his arsenal is just as impressive or even more impressive. Mid-90s fastball, kind of in the 93 to 96 range. Uh, can get up around 97 at times. Upper 80s changeup, upper 70s curveball, big spin rates. You know, Jesse Roche, one of my co-hosts on Five Tool, posted a tweet the other day about his last, about a Yuri Perez's last start. Uh, he was averaging 94 and a half on the fastball with 2672 RPMs. Curveball was 78 with nearly 2500 RPMs. Kind of peaked at around 81 miles an hour, and changeup was at 88, uh, 87 to 89 range, 1753 RPMs. You know, he, these could be three plus pitches in time. Like they are, they already flashed that. You know, this great movement profiles on both the curveball and changeup gets good fade and sinking action on that changeup. You'd probably like to see a little more velo separation, ideally. But when you have the movement that Perez gets on the changeup, you know, six to seven miles an hour is not a bad range. Like you see some of the, you know, the more elite guys, you know, kind of dominate with those upper 80s changeups. It's just because of the movement profile and the fact that he has, you know, the arm speed sells it so well. Um, and that big, you know, for, the, for that fastball is big frame and you know, the higher arm slot of his fastball is a really nice downhill plane with great riding action. Ball is explodes out of his hand and at home plate right by the hitters. He already shows a great feel for all of his pitches with at least average command control. You know, with time, just more reps, more experience. We could be looking at an above average or better command control guy to go with these, you know, th these three great pitches and, Repeats his delivery well, easy mechanics despite that larger frame. You know, a, you get, when you have longer levers like that, you get, there's a tendency for guys to get out of whack, but not Perez. So, that they, you know, we're talking about an 18 year old here. And I got to give my buddy Jesse props because he's been on Perez for a while. Now, the rest of the community is getting on Perez as well. So, you know, if he keeps pitching this well, he's going to fly up rankings even more. He's already pushing top 200 for me. Uh, and if this continues, we could see him as top 100 by the end of the year, which is just crazy to think about because he kind of wasn't on the radar, you know, much before the season starts. But st stuff is great here. Love the upside. Love the org. Miami, I put out that tweet earlier today on Sunday about how much pitching talent and depth this org has. It's ridiculous. You know, they're becoming one of the better orgs for pitching development. So, very good system to be in. Upside is insanely high. His feel for pitching is advanced for his age. He checks off all the boxes of a guy that's going to shoot up rankings a ton. So go get him now because you, if the longer you wait, the more it's going to cost you. Yep, I agree. He's a big riser, guy that I really like a lot. And like you mentioned, I think the price tag is going to soar. So get him now as is this next guy and my last guy of the night. And I couldn't go without mentioning him. And that's Spencer Strider, who has now moved twice. He's been promoted twice so far, and we're only in June. He's headed to Double A for a start on Tuesday, which is exciting. He started in low A ball this year, bumped to high A where he dominated, and now is heading off to Double A Mississippi. He gets to pitch to Shea Longoliers, who is one of the elite catching prospects behind the plate. You know, he's a good hitter, but he's very great behind the plate, which I only think will help Strider. He dominated again last night. He struck out 12 over six innings, just looked really good. And through 30 innings so far this year, 
uh, 1.5 ERA. He has 56 Ks and just 11 walks. And Strider was not a guy I was a fan of when the Braves drafted him this past year. He was out of Clemson, a Tommy John guy. He you know, didn't really check a lot of boxes for me, but he's made a lot of improvements this year from what we've seen. And he just looks very comfortable on the mound. He's got the fastball sitting 96 to 99. He pumps it up in the zone and gets a ton of whiffs. He's not afraid to throw it up there to hitters, and he's confident that he can blow it past them. I think the biggest concern with him is the lack of a third pitch at the moment. He's got a decent breaker. He's got good depth to it, decent uh, velocity separation. It's you know It has some shape of a curve, has some slider shape too, but I don't know. I think he needs to develop a changeup to be a high-end starting pitcher, but he is – just impressing and making moves and the Braves are very confident in this guy. And, you know, I would say two promotions by mid June speaks a lot of how the organization views him, considering he has just 30 professional innings and they're already willing to bump him to double a it's exciting. I think Strider's a guy that's going to continue to move up. I would like to see him work on that third pitch. Like I mentioned, the command is good. The strikeout stuff is there. The two pitches that he has are are really good. I think the fastball's plus and his breaking pitch is above average. I don't know. I don't know where he ends up landing long term, but he definitely has the potential to continue to move up. And that's I'm confident in that because he's just been very dominant. And we'll see how he looks at double A against, you know, some better competition. But man, right now, been very impressed with what I've seen out of Strider. And don't be surprised if he makes a jump into, you know, the top 150 very soon. It's a guy that wasn't on my radar prior to the season. And that's kind of how confident I am in him, even over just 30 innings from what I've seen. So I'm hoping that uh, he'll make it to – I don't know if he'll make it triple A, but I'd love to see him live this year. I was honestly hoping he'd stick in high A, you know, because he'd come to Greenville. But not going to get to see him now. But, you know, uh, Mississippi doesn't come close by. But maybe if he gets to Gwinnett, I'll get to see him. But I'm not confident he'll get a triple A this year. And if he made it all the way triple A in his first professional year, I'd be pretty <laughs> dang good. But you know, Strider's a guy that very high on from what I've seen. His seven starts have been, you know, all very, very good. He looks confident and poised on the mound. So I am buying Spencer Strider everywhere. So I'm gonna take this moment to give you a little bit of uh dad advice here with the, in terms of the the dad joke category, because you just missed a great potential one. Something like you know, Spencer Strider has the chance to really stride up rankings this year. That's those are the dad jokes you got to work on, Chris. Yeah, I got. I, like I said, only two I months in. I need to work you, on it and get you're, better. You're, 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 yeah, the command and control of your dad jokes, your rookie profile there. But <laughs> you got time. But that's that's what I'm here for. I got the little bit of experience <laughs> in the dad dad joke department. As I, I think I was saying dad jokes before I was even a father. That's <laughs> always how I've been. But yeah, I like I like Strider a lot too. Like so he's pitching the Shea Langoliers and. It's something we said before too, but just really pay attention to how these orgs treat these players and how they promote them because they know these guys better than anybody. So they've already promoted Strider twice. That should tell us something that they're quite high on him and think he can handle the assignment to Double A. So you definitely want I'm keeping an eye on as well after how he started this season. And my last guy here, another Tommy John guy, but if you could ever have a good time. <laughs> to have Tommy John, it was probably when Dax Fulton had it because you know he missed. You know he had it in tw- uh, 2019, so he missed. You know he was, he had it before the draft, but they selected him enough to take him highly the second round of the 2020 draft, and he probably wouldn't have pitched a whole lot in 2020 anyway. So missing, you know, not having a minor league season, that was kind of really an ideal time for him to you know have that surgery and recover and not miss a ton of game actions. But you know he's another big lefty. Hasn't been pitching well this year. He's, he's in low A right now. Seven games, six of those starts. 24 innings, 563 ERA, 158 whip, 12% walk rate, 25.9% strikeout rate. So numbers aren't really great, but I don't care. Don't care. Looking long-term here. And like I said, big six seven lefty with good stuff. Those are ones I really like. You know, fastball sits low 90s right now, but... You know, he can get up in the mid 90s with solid run, and you got to think that you know more velocity is going to come when he fills up that frame. So he still got some solid projection on that frame. So 
wouldn't surprise me if he's a guy that's sitting mid nineties within the next, you know, 12 to 18 months, touching up the upper registers with that run. So I think that in long term, I think that's gonna be a plus pitch. His curveball easily plus, big plus curveball, the upper seventies with a ton of depth to it. Easily plus that can miss bats with regularity. His that's his go-to strikeout pitch. Yeah, changeup is in the mid-80s with decent fade and sink, but still kind of inconsistent. Um, but with more reps with it, a better feel for it in time as he matures and gets you know further away from that Tommy John surgery. I think that could be an above average pitch. He just needs the reps, man. Like he's you know, he missed a lot of crucial development time, you know, right around you know before the draft and then in 2020. You know, even if we didn't have a minor league season, just you know, getting in, you know, time at camp and whatnot. But you know, everything you've heard about him is really positive. The stuff is there. You know, I think the command and control can be pretty solid in time as well. It's, it's just he just needs more reps. You know, I think once he gets further away from that Tommy John surgery, you know, the changeup will probably tick up a bit. You know, command and control could tick up there. So potential for three above average plus offerings, big strikeout potential, big lefty. A lot of things to like here. Miami organization, another thing you got to love there. So I don't know how all these arms are going to fit into the long-term plans. So probably have to trade some of them, but a lot of talent here in Miami. But that's going to wrap us up. A lot of great names we talked about here. Uh, we hope you can go out and get some of these guys, whether it be you know off the waiver wire, depending on the depth of your league, or via trade. You know, Hopefully you can get some of these guys and, and give that your minor league rotation a little bit of a boost there. Yeah, that was a really fun show, Chris. That was yeah, I typed up a lot of notes for this one because this this would be a fun <laughs> one. Um I hope I know you had fun too. Oh yeah, a lot of good content. Hope that it'll be helpful for you guys in your dynasty leagues. Yeah, this is one we were looking forward to. Uh, it really was. And next week we are going to do the same thing, but with hitters. So uh, another great episode, and we will have a guest coming on for that show as well, uh, which we will uh release later in the week, but someone we've had on before. Um so if you've been listening along, you can probably get a, you know, have at least some sort of an idea who we're having on next week. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. And like I said, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you to everyone for listening again this week. We hope that everyone enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at AirCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Check out all of our written work at FantraxHQ.com and our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Toolshed. We will be back with you all again next week with more Dynasty and Prospect talk. But until then, everyone take care.